Amen. Thank you for that worship this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're starting a new series, Summer in the Psalms. Uh, told you it's going to take about 300 weeks to go through all the Psalms. I know there's only 150 of them, but you know, multiple weeks. On, you know, 119 alone can take two months. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we're going to spend the next several weeks in the summer uh, just looking at uh, different Psalms. Uh, and we'll start with you know, Psalm 1. That seems to be a wonderful place to start is at the beginning, at the first one. Uh, and as you're turning there, I want you to think about something. What makes you happy? Uh, what makes you happy? Maybe you're like me and you enjoy sitting on the beach. Got your toes in the sand. Uh, you know, I know it makes people happy because I'll see the feet pictures this time of year with the feet, you know, and, you know, whatever. Uh, but but I, I, love, I love sitting on the sand. I, I love watching and just listening to the sound of the ocean. Is there anything more peaceful just to listen to those wave crashing on the shore uh, add with it a good book, uh, maybe an autobiography about Spurgeon or Luther or Calvin, and you've got me at my happy spot. Uh, the grin on my wife's face is her saying you're just a big nerd with your Spurgeon and Calvin and Luther or Zingli, Zingli whatever his name is, you know, those guys. Uh, that makes me happy. What makes you happy? Maybe uh, if the Hurricanes would have won last night, that would have made you happy. Unfortunately, they didn't, so you're not happy. Uh, drafting a quarterback shorter than me made me happy that someone that small can make it to the NFL. It makes me happy. Uh, this morning, that's kind of what I want us to talk about is happiness. Can we live a happy life? Here's the thing about the beach. No matter how much I love it, no matter how happy it makes me, you always have to leave the beach. I guess you wouldn't have to, but you do. And then you have to go and fight the chaos of cooking and finding somewhere to eat or going to a restaurant where Everybody on the face of the planet has gone to the restaurant and you're no longer happy, okay? So happiness does not last, but I'm going to tell you today, Psalm 1 gives us happiness that can last. And if I told you that or asked you, would you sign up for a lasting happiness? Would you want to sign up for that? Yeah, I know you would because there's a whole industry of this. There are books, a quick Google search will give you Thousands of books that can make you live a happy life. Here's just some of them. Here's the name of some of them. You can be happy no matter what. That's the most popular one on my Google feed. Uh, there is a book literally called Happy, 250 Ways to a Happier You. Uh, and if you make it past the first 10, you still have 240 to go. <clears throat> it was a really thick book. <laughs> Uh, there is simply a book called Happy. My favorite was the happiness equation because doing math has always made us happy in life. The happiness equation. Uh, and it just goes on and on. Tons of websites and blogs and vlogs and videos dedicated to the topic of how you can have a happy life. You know, to be happy no matter what this world brings. Well, Psalms is going to answer that question in uh, just... Six short verses, not 200 pages or 150 pages, but six short verses. We are going to be told how to have a lasting, happy life. A life that is fulfilled, a life that is content, a life filled with joy, a life that makes a difference, a life where we feel rewarding 
in six verses, we're going to get to answer to that, the question, how to live a happy life, that all these books try to give us. So Psalm 1. Uh, I'll be reading from the CSB. Uh, other translations will probably use uh, the word blessed where I use the word happy. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a second. So here's what it says. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. He meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. The way of the wicked leads to ruin. This psalm introduces all 150 psalms. The topics that are addressed is really between righteousness and wickedness. And that's a theme that is going to be present through every single psalm that we study and every single psalm that you would read. It's, it is an introduction to the whole Psalter itself. Psalm 2 continues the introduction, which we'll probably look at next week. Uh, it is a quite different approach to happiness. A lot of those books you read, they're going to start with, you're happy if you do this, or if you do this, or do this, do this. And it's steps that you can take to be happy. Uh, the, the, the psalm here starts with things that you don't do to become happy. It's kind of like this idea. If you want to be on the right path, you have to first get, on, get off the wrong path. You have to stop doing the things that are taking you away from your happiness so you can do the things that make you happy. Uh, the word happy, because uh, I know that's, that's a word that we don't like in, in churches or Bible terms. We prefer the word joy sometimes, or uh, that's why it's often translated blessed. And here's why. Happiness is an emotion. Uh, happiness is, uh, I'm happy because this happens. It's based on external circumstances. The Hebrew word, that it literally means happy, but it has a deep meaning of being blessed or a deep sense of contentment. You're just content. Whatever, you know, whatever life brings, you're just, you're content. You go in for a job interview, it doesn't go well, you don't get the job. You're, you're upset and you may not be emotionally happy, but you can still have a sense of happiness or contentment. You go to the doctor and get a diagnosis that you're not looking for. It's something that may stress you out. It may not make you happy, but you have this deep sense of contentment. Oftentimes in sermons like this, and when we talk about this, the word joy is used because joy is based on an internal set of circumstances where happiness is external. But the psalmist is very clear. This is a happy life, but it's not an emotion. It's an attitude of happiness. It is an attitude that says, I am content with where I am. I am stable in this position of life that I'm okay to be not okay is one way that you could put it. But the question is, where do we find happiness? Will it come from fame or fortune? Does it come from popularity? Does it come from success? Does it come from your job? Or does it come from school? Well, the answer to that question is it'll come from the word of the Lord. 
the word of the Lord. So here's the insights. We have two main insights in the text. First, the happy person rejects unholy living. The happy person rejects unholy living. Now, this is important because this is a progression of things. It is from little to medium to big. The, the psalmist, the writer is giving us really a progression of things that leads us to the wicked, unhappy, unstable lifestyle. This whole week I've been thinking and listening to a song by Casting Crowns called Slow Fade. Anybody remember that one? It's pretty old. Uh, slow, f- it's not that old, but it, it's old. It's Slow Fade. The whole song is that uh, this family is being torn apart because of a slow fade from a little flirtatiousness to uh, bad decisions. And for us, it would be like text messages. And then it go, the, the husband goes to the next step where he's then, and, and all these little bitty things over time leads to an affair that leads to divorce that breaks the family up. But it didn't happen overnight. It was a slow, slow fade. And that's, that's these three things uh, about rejecting unholy living is that slow fade. Listen, there are pastors who I respected who I have loved, who I have listened to. The one that came to mind all week was Robbie Zacharias. He was, I mean, what he did in the world of apologetics was amazing. And yet after his death, it came out about all of the abusiveness that he uh, 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 did towards others, uh, the sexual sin that he was involved in towards others. And it breaks your heart to see these men of God. He's just one of many, but to see these men of God fall so hard and so fast. But listen, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a slow fade. Uh, another good example, I think, of preventing the slow fade is Matt Chandler, another wonderful pastor who was kind of caught doing some Instagram messaging that was not really inappropriate at all, but the elders of his church got wind of it and said, look, you are privately messaging another woman. And it seems innocent and there's nothing wrong with it, But if this path continues, it'll be a slow fade to your failure. And so he was held accountable. And he understood himself the dangers of the slow fade that is talked about in this passage. Uh, And so the psalmist says, you've got to know what to say no to. If you want to live a happy life, reject unholy living. Know what to say no to. Say no is hard for me, right? It's hard for a lot of people. Uh, because, you know, I, I kind of like to be a people pleaser sometimes, and uh, I like to do what I want to do. So saying no to some of these things is hard. I, I want to give you a picture of these verses before we kind of dive into the three. Athletes have to learn to say no. I learned this the hard way. As a member of the award-winning Fat Boy Relay team of Mount Pleasant High School, <laughs> which has come to find out was not a real sport for the track, but... It garnered a lot of income for the schools. People would show up from around the world to watch the Fat Boy Relay team beat all the other Fat Boy Relay teams. As a fat boy, I thought it's a great idea, 10 minutes before I race, to eat loaded nachos (laughs) with the beef and the jalapenos. I'm 18, 17, I can do this. Now, I should have said no to those nachos. And we're not going to get graphic about it, but I'll say this. I finished my race and won my leg, and then everybody got to see those nachos. (laughs) I should have said no to that. We have to learn to say no. So what do we say no to to live the happy life? First of all, he says, you say no to bad advice or do not walk 
in the counsel of the wicked. I'll put it to you like this. Be careful who you listen to. My best friend who told me, now my best friend was not a track person, nor was he a football person, but he was at the track meet. He said, eat the nachos, you'll be fine. Wicked advice. (laughs) Counsel of the wicked. Right? We've got to be careful who we listen to. I don't know if you've noticed this, and young people, especially if you're about to go to college or you're in college, there's a lot of people who have an opinion about your life. Anybody ever been there? Adults might be there. You ever notice that there's a lot of people who have an opinion about your life and what you should do? Uh, and, and not all of it is good. Now, young people, listen to your parents. Their opinion matters. Okay, so don't, don't go home today. Well, Pastor Trent said, I don't have to listen to you because your opinion's bad. That's not what I'm saying. But every, it seems like everybody's got an opinion about your life. And we have to you know, take the advice and listen to good advice. And we have to have good people that we are walking with and listening to. Uh, because if we take the advice of bad people, or if we take the counsel and, of the wicked, then that leads to that next progression where we're no longer just walking with them. We're no longer exploring that lifestyle. We're now standing with them. So we have to be very careful what we listen to on YouTube or what we listen to on on the cable news networks. I mean, you just got to be careful where you're getting your information. And here's kind of the litmus test. Good advice always matches the word of God. Good advice always matches the word of God. Okay, if somebody tells you to do something that is not confirmed in the Bible, then it's wicked advice and you should not listen to it. And it's nothing new. Job had three friends who gave him bad advice as he was going through all this torment and all this uh, just hardships. Uh, in fact, the, the Lord speaks in Job about the advice that he has been given. Here's what the Lord says in Job 42. After the Lord finished speaking to Job, he said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, I'm angry with you and your two friends, for you have not spoken truth about me. You have not spoken truth about me. That's in Job 42, 7 and 9. So what God is saying is the advice and the guidance that you've given to Job has been bad. And we have to be so careful who we listen to because if we listen to the wrong people, it's going to lead to the wrong associations. That's the next one. We go from walking, exploring, just checking it out, to standing with the sinners. To put it this way, we got to be careful who we listen to and we got to be careful who we associate with. We have to be careful who we associate with. When we start to walk that path, we might, we might go into it thinking, well, I'll just get off and go back this way or I'll just go this way. I'm not going to always listen. But if we walk with them and we listen to them enough, we start to stand with them We start to hang out with them. We start to become connected to their lifestyle. That word stand literally means you linger a little bit. You loiter around. Listen, 1 Corinthians, Paul says it like this. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company. I know you have a question in your mind right now that we will address when we get through all three of these or at the end, okay? So hold on to it. I know the question you're thinking. Okay, but, but Paul says bad company corrupts good morals. To put it to you like this, if you walk in the footsteps of bad advice, you will soon find yourself standing among those who gave it. 
young people, this is really for you because you are bombarded with bad information all day long. You are told to conform to a world that is running away from God as fast as possible. And if you listen to that, then you're going to find yourself associating with that. And if you're not careful, you're going to become that. We're careful who we listen to. We're careful who we associate with. The last one is you sit in the company of mockers. We have to be careful who we become. If we walk, if we stand, you will become those very people that you should not associate with or listen to. The mockers are people who make fun of Christians. They make fun of God. They sit around talking about how Christians are are just uh, archaic in their beliefs and how can we follow and listen to this, this book that's not even true. They'll say it's a book of fairy tales, a book of myths. Well, that's the bad advice. But if you listen to them, if you associate with them, you'll join right in. You will sit there. Remember the old thing? Take your shoes off. Stay a while. Sit down. You make yourself at home with the wicked. You make your life a part of their life. And listen, for a lot of us, we do it to find happiness. We do this to find acceptance. We do it to find what we're really looking for, friendships, good, solid relationships. We want to be popular. We don't want to be made fun of for, we don't want to be mocked for our faith. We don't want to be made fun of because we're Christians. We want to be with the in crowd or maybe not even the most popular crowd. We just want to have a group of people that support us and love on us. And listen, the world makes it sound like that is where we go. But there's the result of this life is not happiness. I mean, it might be happiness for a little while, but it's not a lasting happiness. If you look down at a Verses four and five, it says the wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. If you, if you walk and stand and sit with these people, you're like chaff that just get blown away. And here's the picture. Uh, the farmers would go to the threshing floor and they would have some corn or some wheat uh, or something. And so they would just toss everything up in the air. And the fragments of straw and all the, the fragments of bad stuff that was not useful would just blow away. But the good wheat or the good corn or the good heavy product falls to the ground and all the bad stuff is blown away. This is a picture. This wicked life, this unhappy life of walking, standing, and, and sitting is a picture of rootlessness, weightlessness, and uselessness. There, there's no root to it. There's no use for it. And, and listen, it gets just the wind carries it from one place to the next. The reason we get off this path that we think makes us happy to walk a path that really will make us happy is because this path will lead you to this thing that will make you happy for a certain amount of time. And then the wind blows you to the next thing. And it blows you to the next thing. You don't find the fulfillment you're looking for here, so you just, there's no stability. You're blown here and there, and you're always searching for something deeper, for something more meaningful, for a joy and a happiness and a blessedness. You're searching for a deep contentment, and you never find it in the things of this world. 
Now you may find it for a year, you may find it for 10 years, but it will not last. Ultimately, it's not going to last in the eternal life either. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in judgment nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteousness. So while you may find happiness for a time on this earth, and maybe you can find a group or a place where you're happy your whole life, and maybe you're not floating around, but you're going to float around. But when you die and stand before the judgment seat of God, if you have walked with the wicked, stood with the sinners, and sat with the mockers, then you will not stand before a holy and just God. You will not be able to sit in the heavenly throne room and worship him for all eternity because you made a choice to follow this world and the wickedness of this world. And so while you may have happiness here, there'll be no happiness there. There'll be no blessings there. There'll be no contentment if you are eternally separated from God our Father. And now you're all sitting there like, well, thanks for the bad news. I'm not happy anymore, right? I walked in here pretty happy, and I was like, oh, living the happy life. Well, I'm not happy now. That's the bad news. Let's get off the wrong path to get on the right path. Because here's the happy person delights in the Lord's instruction. The happy person delights in the Lord's instruction. Verse 2, instead his delight is in the Lord's instruction. He meditates on it day and night. This person takes joy in this book. He sees this book not as a burden to bear, but as a light and a lamp for our path. They take great joy in reading even the hard parts. I mean, you take joy in Leviticus even if you don't understand it. You take joy in the Chronicles, even if you don't understand it, but you delight in what it's saying. And then it says you meditate on it. This is like an awesome picture. This Hebrew word for meditate is, is like just fantastic. It is a cow chewing his cud. Have anybody ever seen a cow chew his cud? They're just sitting there. They, met, they chew on it over and over and over. Another way, they murmur. They just murmur the scriptures and chew on their cud all day. They're meditating and chewing their cud. This is the best way I can illustrate it. I am a fast eater. You can ask anybody who's ever ate with me. I, I can set records on how fast I can clean a plate. And I clean it. And I, and I do it very quickly. But if you get a good piece of ribeye steak or a prime rib, and that first bite, we were in Kansas City when I was a teenager, and we went to this restaurant a ribeye, like a small ribeye, was like 35 bucks just for the steak. You know, no potato, no drink, just no salad, just the steak was 35 bucks. Uh, and you took that first bite, and I'll tell you something, you slowed down and you enjoyed it. And you're just like, mmm, you're just a couch when you're cut. You savor every single bite, all the juices, all that butter. They caked it with butter. That's probably why it was so good. You know, 30, and listen, $35 worth of steak, you're going to enjoy that. Right? Every bite that you just save. So when I come across a good meal, I slow down, I savor every single bite. That's what it looks like to meditate on God's word. All day you are savoring what it says. I, we talked about this a couple weeks ago with the hear method. Uh, you know, you hear from God, you highlight, you explain, you apply the text, and you respond. The meditation is really that application and responding. 
So if you wake up early, you read a few passages, you highlight the one you're going to focus on, all day long, you are focused on just enjoying and delighting in that verse. You are trying to suck out every ounce of nourishment you can get from God's word because it's not a burden. It is a light to our path. It is to keep us on this straight and narrow. Joshua 1.8 says this, This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything that is written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed. What you do sound familiar, right? When you delight in the word, you are planting your life in a stable ground. You are being rooted next to the living water, the streams that are flowing, and you're just sucking in all the nourishment that there is from God's word. And the wind, no matter how strong, no matter what life throws at you, you will not be blown away like the chaff. You will live the happy life. You will prosper, not in terms of what the world says. You may not have fame, you may not have fortune, but you will prosper based on what the Bible says. You will live a holy, righteous, happy life because you are living a life that is in the will of God. Now, I said you're going to have some questions. I think there's two big questions that we get from the text. The first one is this. It's what I got. I hope you're thinking about it too. It's like, Pastor, you're telling me to avoid wicked people and sinners and not to become like mockers. Well, yeah, that's what Psalm is telling you. The natural question is, how do I evangelize to those people if I'm to avoid those people? Or the other question is, you're telling me to avoid people that Jesus associated with every single day. And that's right. Jesus would have walked with these people. Jesus would have sat with them. We know he did. He sat with sinners. But I want to tell you this very, very clearly. Jesus spent time with the wicked He stood with the sinners. He sat at the table to eat their meals, but he was never influenced by them. He did not join them to become like them. He joined them so they would be more like him. See the difference? Jesus, fully divine, fully God, was able to do these things to influence them. The problem with us as humans, we are influenced by the group of people we are around. Now, maybe some of us are different and you are not as influenced as others. There's different levels on this spectrum. And I would encourage you to evangelize. I would encourage you to build relationships. But only if you can influence them and not be influenced by them. By them. The second question I think is this. Like, Pastor, I'm a sinner. I'm wicked at times. I have wicked thoughts sometimes. I mock people sometimes. And here's the thing we, it looks different, but all of us are sinners. So the natural question is who is this man who can actually live the life that is described in Psalm 1? And it's Jesus. What I hope to show you through the summer of Psalms is how Jesus is saturating these texts. This psalm, while it is for for the original audience, would have been very clear, and the application is very clear for us as well. 
meditate on God's word, be careful who we sit with, listen to, associate with, and who we become. But the ultimate idea is that the only person who has ever been able to truly fulfill this text is Jesus. The only person who has lived a perfect life and not be influenced by the world is Jesus. And the only way for you and I to come close to this is by following Jesus. It is Jesus who forgives us of our sins. It is Jesus who forgives us of our wickedness. It is Jesus who changes our heart to be less like the mockers and more like his. It is Jesus who calls us out of this and roots us in to this way of living. Without Jesus, you will never be able to live Psalm 1 in your life. Jesus is the key to the forgiveness of sin. Jesus is the key for you to become the righteous person that the Bible wants you to become. There's a, a story by a guy named, well, uh, it's a long thing. Henry Ironside uh, tells a story of a man named Joseph Flakes. Joseph Flakes visited Palestine years ago. Uh, Flakes had the opportunity to, a, to talk to, preach to, lead a Bible study of Jewish and Arab people, non-Christians. Flakes started with Psalm 1, and he read it, and then he asked the question, who is the blessed man of Psalm the Psalm speaks of? Who is the man who never walked in the counsel of the wicked? Who is the man who never stood in the way of sinners? Who is the man who never sat in the seat of mockers? And nobody in the group responded. And so Flake asked the question, well, was it Father Abraham? Was it Abraham, the great father of our faith? And one old man stood up and says, it can't be Abraham. He denied his wife and told her to lie. Can't be Abraham. He says, well, how about Moses, the lawgiver? And someone stood up and said, no, it can't be Moses. He killed a man. He lost his temper. And Flake suggested David, the man after God's own heart. Somebody else says, no, it can't be David. He had an affair and murdered the captain of his guard. And after a long silence, an elderly Jewish man stood up and said, my brothers, I have a little book here in my hand, and it's called the New Testament. This is what the Jewish man said. He says, I've been reading it and reading it and reading it. And if I could believe this book, again, this is a Jewish man, so understand the context. He says, if I could believe this book, if I could be sure that it was true, I would say that the only man to fulfill the first psalm is Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus is the perfect, happy man that we should plant our life on, that we should stand firm on. Are you standing on Jesus? Are you following Jesus? Are you waking up each and every day meditating on this book? Because that's how you avoid the slow fade of walking, standing, and sitting with the wicked. This is how you become a righteous person. This is how you live the happy, content life that all of us are searching for.
So have you decided to follow Jesus? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for Psalm 1. I mean, first, we thank you for the guidance and the wisdom that is poured out for us, uh, the, the path that we are to follow. And we're thankful that you have shown us the path we should not follow. But we know that the only way for us to be on the right path is by becoming right with you through faith in Jesus Christ. Father, help us to see that. Help us to follow you. Soften our hearts and change our hearts so that we would receive you, that we would confess you as Lord and Savior, that we would just say, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. Good times and bad times, I'm going to follow Jesus. Father, help us to meditate on your word each and every day. And as we meditate on it, help us to understand it and apply it to our life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.